Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast. Today, our focus is once again on the amazing world of radio at amazing.greatdetectives.net. Currently, we're doing the summer of Angela Lansbury, so we get to hear some really interesting, rare performances by Angela Lansbury in old-time radio programs. But you can also go back through our archives. We have our previous uh, series that have been chosen by our Patreon supporters, including the summer of Humphrey Bogart, Great Movies Over Radio, and then we have a few series that I've just done on my own, like old-time radio programs focusing on the events that were covered in the musical Hamilton and Les Miserables with Orson Welles. So check it out on amazing.greatdetectives.net. Also, we have our World War II podcast, The War at thewar.greatdetectives.net, and my comics podcast, the uh, Classy Comics podcast at classycomicsguy.com. Well, now we're going to get into today's episode of Let George Do It. The original air date on this one is February the 5th of 1951. I couldn't find a rebroadcast date for this one, but uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to Tongalani. Personal notice, danger my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Right, full detail. Welcome to another Let George Do It adventure. To say that this story is intriguing would be putting it mildly. Unless, of course, you can figure out who, what, where, why, or when Tom Delaney is, was, or ever has been. Now, I'm not doubting for one moment your talent for sleuthing. But since George Valentine had such a rough time with the problem, why not save yourself the trouble and listen to how he did it? Tongalani, the sandy whisper of palm trees is in your ears. Tongalani, the voice of soft water on a coral beach, and the world and the past are as distant as waves on a far off reef. Tongalani, the voice of moonlight, of despaired hopes fulfilled, of life begun anew. Tongalani, the voice of love itself. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, what is it? What on earth are you doing? Uh, nothing, nothing there. I was just figuring out the bills. What? What bills? You're messing up the bank account together. Well, I just thought you might like some help with them. Since when do I need any help with the business? What on earth's the matter with you? Change, I'm a little tired, that's all. Why? Every other day of your life you've dug in the roses at this hour. Well, I've already finished digging in the roses. No, you haven't. You sneaked in here. I didn't sneak anything. You did. I saw you. 
One o'clock and you ought to be out with your precious roses. Digging, digging, digging until it's time to go back to the office. But instead, you sneak back in here. I, I'm sorry, dear. I'm tired. I just wanted to sit down for a while. You came back here to sneak on me. Oh, Henry, I'm sorry. But when we have guests, I should think you'd be able to put out a little bit of effort. No, no, it's my fault, dear. I just thought since they were your guests, not mine, you'd want a chance to, to, um, who is this, Mr. Valentine, isn't he? Oh, he's nobody. Just someone I met. Miss Brooks seems very nice. Yes. You'd notice that, wouldn't you? Oh, now, Jane. I'm trying to tell you. But I did want Mr. Valentine to have a chance to meet you. Why? Hey, well, sir, you're my husband, aren't you? Oh, have you forgotten? My dear, it's after one o'clock already. Oh, why, yes, Mr. Valentine. Right in here. I was just seeing with Henry, wouldn't you, Miss Brooks? Oh, hello, Mr. Valentine. Miss Brooks? Hello, Mr. Valentine. Oh, he's been out admiring your rose garden. Oh, yes, it's my little hobby. Thank you. But if you'll excuse me now. Oh, Mr. Thomas, it's all there. We barely had a chance to meet you. And your wife said, talk about you somewhat. She has? Why? Oh, well, I don't understand, didn't I? Well, Henry, it's... No, 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 please. No, excuse me. I'm not a very interesting Besides, I barely have time enough to change my clothes and go back to the office. I'm glad you've met you. Excuse me. Yes, but your husband's hardly the criminal type. All this mysterious talk about Tondalani when you first got in touch with me. Oh, I didn't think it had anything to do with crime. But the way he's been acting... Tondalani, George, don't you think you ought to tell us what we found out? We've been married 25 years. He's never done anything except dig in his precious garden until I can't stand it. I know, I know. He's 47 years old. I've been everything that a wife should be. He's been helpless without me. He doesn't make friends easily, you know. He doesn't do anything easily. In fact, he seldom does do anything. That's why it made me so upset. Mr. Stolder, stop it, please. I know how you feel, but listen to me. Now, you wrote me a letter. Your husband's up to something. You want to know what it is? I I never in my life thought I'd have to go to a a detective, let alone on a matter involving... I know, I know. He's not the type to be mixed up in anything more dangerous than Rose Thorns. Well, I, I started with this word, Tongalani. You were worried about it. I looked it up as a location, a place, and there isn't such a one. Oh, he was saying it in his sleep over and over again. And he's so different these days. I know, but Tongalani's not a place, Mrs. Dalton. So we checked that off. And the word doesn't seem to mean anything in anybody's language. Check number two. So we went to work on some of the other leads you gave us. His business. You investigated his... Your husband's made a lot of money in his business. Even if he hasn't made plans to make you happy. But there's never been a manufactured product called Tongalani or an advertising slogan or anything. The way he disappeared for hours at a time. And when I asked him about it, he almost fainted. I told you that, didn't I? And he's lying. He's never lied to me in his life before. Yes, Mrs. Salter, you told me everything, and I investigated everything. Wait, uh, wait a minute. There. Huh? Uh, it's Mr. Richter. I asked him to stop by a minute to meet you. Who? 
About the only close friend Henry's ever had, I guess. They met a couple of years ago. But of late, Henry's been just as strange to him as he has to everyone else. Mr. Porter, I don't have to see anybody. Not anymore. Well, he's practically drunk, Mr. Victor. And he used to come to dinner nearly every week. I've never talked to Mr. Victor about my worries, but I thought a few good questions. You might know something that we... Here. Hello, Mr. Victor. Come in. Please, come right in. Afternoon, Mr. Porter. I, I got your note. I understand you want me to meet somebody by the name of Valentine. What on earth is it all about? Yes, that's right. Me. Uh, but not today. Huh? Oh, Hello. Um, first, Henry, I'm sorry, Mr. Wicker, but I won't have time to talk today. Do you mind? I'll give you a ring. Explain it later. But I asked him... If it's all right with you, we'll skip it, Mr. Wicker. Perhaps another time. Well, sure, but uh, please do give me a ring. I'd love to know what it's all about. Yes, thanks a lot, friend. Goodbye. Mr. Valentine, Lady, you listen to me. I wouldn't have taken your case if I'd known what it was in the first place. Now, you showed me some of these notes in your husband's handwriting. Were they all folded like this, incidentally? Uh, I didn't touch them. But I thought you might find... Romantic flapcraft. Escapist stuff. Dreams of the South Seas. Can I begin at 47? But all right, because I'm curious, I run down the leads you give me. Tangalani. And the name of some jewelry company you found checked in the phone book. We went to that company, Mr. Sauter. Your husband had written, ordered something from them with that same name engraved on it. Name? Sure, of course. Tangalani is the name. Symbolic one, probably. Not a real name, I guess. But the locket it was to be engraved on was real enough. No. Yes, it was three months ago. Mr. Stoker paid 500 bucks, and the locket he ordered was shaped like a heart. Tongalani. Shaped like a heart. Mr. Valentine, there must be some other explanation. And that's not all. We, we found his car, like you said, when he was supposed to have been here at home. Yes. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, he's always late. It was parked in an alley behind the Pacific Museum. And a cop says it's been there before. Museum? Where people sometimes meet other people, Mr. Sauter. And it's been parked in front of Pan American Airlines, too. Where? But in the museum, there was a guy who had seen it. A nervous middle-aged woman waiting. No. No, I won't believe it. You've got to believe it, lady. I caught a glimpse of our mysterious conga line myself getting into his car. Oh, he said he'd have to work late at the office. He said... Your husband has a girlfriend, Mrs. Sauter. A girl he dreams of and calls conga that's the big mystery. Yeah, I know. I don't like it either. But now you know why I don't want to go on any further. Oh, you suspected that yourself, didn't you, Mrs. Sutter? You just hoped we'd find something different. Oh, but what will I do? He wouldn't run away and leave me. He couldn't. Twenty-five years I've taken care of it. I'm afraid it's your problem now, Mrs. Sutter. I couldn't believe it. Anybody but Henry... So dependent. Afraid of his own shadow. Don't bother, Mr. Sauter. We'll let ourselves out. But who is she? Who is that awful woman? I suggest you talk it over with your husband. Yes. Yes, I will. All right, come on in. Oh, George, I feel so sorry yeah. for her. Put an ad in the paper and you become Dorothy Dick. Yeah, so we made somebody unhappy. Let's go home. Yeah, all right. Remind me to turn down the next five feet. George, that's the wrong door. I know it. It's the room Mr. Sauter was in before. He'd been writing something. What? Huh? Did you know the ink stains in his hands? The loose pen on the desk? There we are. But you told Mr. Sauter we were through. Well, maybe I'd like to meet this tongue a lot. Yeah, here's some more of that stuff he writes to us. Lying flat under the pan. Here. Tongue the whisper of palm trees is in your ears. Tangalani, the voice of love itself. 
That bald-headed little hero ought to be... George. What's the matter? This is not a letter. Not even a note. Look at the end of the paragraph. Huh? It says, end of chapter 12. In the next chapter, Tangalani and her middle-aged lover... Tangalani, nothing but a character in a book he's writing. Uh, but, Pussy, we saw her. We, we ran down the leads. There was a real woman at Salter Steen. Come on, Angel, we're going to work fast. Not in this house. This is the kind of cute situation that's just full of dynamite. Henry, what on earth? I thought you'd already left for the office. No, no, uh, just picking up something again. You, uh, haven't been into this desk drawer, have you? Me? Why should I waste my time in your precious desk? Why? What's the matter? Oh, nothing. Nothing. I just, um... Uh, how did your visit with Mr. Valentine and Miss Brooks work out? <laughs> Beautifully. Oh, but I, I won't bother with them anymore. There's no need to. <laughs> you know, they're such stupid people. You know they spent hours telling me a ridiculous story about a man who ran away from his wife. Did you? Oh, really, dear. I don't see it. Oh, never mind. You never see the point to anything. Oh, go on. Get back to your office. The sooner you go, the sooner you're back, so you can dig, dig, dig in that precious rose garden. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. There's a sack of quicklime out in the tool shed. What? Yes, the gardener must have made a mistake. I didn't know it. Did you? No. No, of course not. Oh, well, that's not important. Stupid mistake, I guess. That's all. Well, goodbye, dear. Goodbye, Henry, dear. Mr. Valentine made it, not me. Angelani, the name of a woman or the name of a book, which is it? So far, it seems to be both. And if your name is George Valentine, you know that you'd better straighten it out. Before Mrs. Salter has made any more unhappy than she is already. But there are other reasons for working fast. You suspect there are things you don't know. That there is more to this than meets the eye. And you might be right. In fact, you don't know it. But you're 150% right. All I know, Mr. Richter, is that you're in the book business, publishing. And I'm trying to tell you, Mr. Valentine, that we haven't seen much of each other lately. Henry Salter's avoided me. Oh, I used to go up there quite often. I still do, but I... Get the preamble and double talk, Mr. Ricker. Henry Salter has a girlfriend, that right? He what? Henry... (laughs) What's so funny? What do you mean? Don't you think it's funny? A more prosaic, moral man never lived. That's what his wife tried to believe. I'm afraid Jane wears a pants in that family. But I'm afraid she also wears the only color or imagination or ability to meet your mind, Buster. I beg your pardon. Look, I know I'm intruding on the personal affairs of personal friends of yours. You think Henry Salter isn't the type to take over the traces. Well, neither did I. But I've proved to myself that he's doing it. He likes to dig in his roses. It drives Jane crazy. All right, maybe you don't know anything about the real woman in Salter's life. But you do know about the book, don't you? Book? Tangalani, Mr. Richard. While we were waiting for you to come back to your office here, we asked around quite a few questions. 
Henry Salter had never written anything in his life. Not even his wife thinks he had. Mm-hmm, but we know different. We saw some of his manuscripts. He's been writing a book secretly. Here he is. That's right. Go on. No, you go on. You're his publisher friend. You're the only one he might confide in. You tell us. Well, it's not a very good book, but it's been good for him to write it, I thought. Keep talking. Some kind of escapist junk, isn't it? Possible for a man to start his life over that kind of thing? A dream. A dream. Everybody has a dream, Mr. Valentine. I'd even encouraged it. Egged him on to do it. Why not? It's a book. That's all. Man gets bored with roses after certain... Man bored with his wife. I don't think the Salters have ever been very happy together. But if you're suggesting the woman in the book is modeled after a real-life person... I'm not suggesting anything. Of course. Well, anyway, he he started the thing over a year ago, timidly, sophomorically. It's been our little secret, that's all. Each week, he carefully folds up his little pages, mails them from his office, and I lock them up very hush-hush. And the next time I see him, I give him my criticism. Wait a minute. Mails it in the business envelope? Yes, I think so. Why? Good heavens, there's nothing wrong with this, you know. Someday it may even be good enough to publish. Not as though anyone were plotting a murder or anything. Okay, I hope you're right. Thanks. Now, Mr. Valentine, wait. See you later, Buster. Come on, Angel.
I got a little worried after you left me. I, I tried to reach Henry. He hasn't been in his office all afternoon. We already know. But where is he? I tried his club. I tried every place. He hasn't been seen since lunch. All that talk of yours, I, I didn't even take seriously. But good heavens, you don't actually imagine he'd run away from there, do you? Oh, no. 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 You'll be all right. You just send it. Here. Here, Smolder. Come on, now. I suppose Salter's got a good deal of money, hasn't he? Little mousy guy was pretty successful at business. Even if his only happiness is in dreams. Why, yes, Henry's even wealthy. What are you talking about? Well, Mr. Salter's using me, using Henry's dreams and me to set up a perfect murder. Murder? You'd better call the police, George. She's all right now. What happened? Sure, Mr. Richter. What better way to be able to tell people your husband ran away with a strange woman and disappeared? <laughs> you get nothing but sympathy. Like the sympathy I wasted on her before. Sympathy and money. Get away from me, all of you. When we went back to the office. Be quiet, please. I want to tell you how people pull letters. You what? What are you talking about? Mrs. Stolzer, you made a slip. Those manuscript pages of your husband's you clipped. Those mysterious notes finally kept them flat in his desk. Stop talking about Then he took them down and mailed them from his office in an ordinary envelope. Is that right, Mr. Rickey? Well, yes, of course. Mr. Stalker, you shouldn't have admitted that you hadn't made the fold marks on them. Because that means you got your hands on them after they'd been to the publisher. But I... Yeah, I... <laughs> sure. Think fast, Mr. Rickey. Because that means you're tied into this, too. It, it certainly doesn't. Now, There's no time to argue now, Buster. How could you have got those choice selections unless it was from you? Now, see here, I, I'm worried about my... You said you egged him on, didn't you? The poor little aspiring writer. I suppose you practically told him what to write. I won't listen to any more. You and his wife encouraging him to go hog wild with that dream until you had just what you wanted. A neat conspiracy for murder. Oh, no, you don't. Stand still. I'm not trying to go anyplace. I'm let go of me. Yes, you are, Buster. You're going someplace right now. Look out. Look out. Oh, yeah, Mr. Slaughter. I didn't have any reason to hit him. But my clues weren't worth much. A meal darling is a lot better. said too much already, didn't you, Mr. Sauter? What are you going to do? Telephone the one place for your husband that you didn't send me. Just a chance. But you got the police, and they haven't found him yet either. There's that quick line that the soldier bought, but it hasn't been used. Hello, hello, Stefan, will you? But it was Mr. Rector. Did he have time to do it? Didn't he act like she'd done it? 
The same way she didn't faint until she thought he'd done it. Does it make any sense either one of them would have done it the same day we were here to play sucker? Joy. Oh, I don't know. I don't know, I tell you. But they kept encouraging Henry. And our being here would have encouraged him plenty more. Poor little dopey guy. The sap, the joke, the dreamer. Only just suppose when he wrote that book that... Hello, hello, hello. Uh, hello, Mr. Valentine. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. I'm the passenger agent for Pan American here in San Francisco. Yeah, well, did the other guy tell you what I wanted? Yes, and the man you described is here, Mr. Henry Sulfur. What, Miss what? He's just checking in his suitcase. He has a ticket for Honolulu, then Tahiti, Samoa, someplace. Only look, this man Sulfur. What's wrong with him? Wrong with him? Sure, he's all excited, like a kid. Says he's going to look for something called Tangalani. Uh, to find a Tangalani, uh, well, what in heck is a Tangalani anyway? He did go, he did run away. Well, they drove him right into it, didn't they, Angel? Egged him on. Only they were blind in both eyes. Never even occurred to them he might get the courage to carry out his dream. Southeast of Boston. If we hadn't come along, we might never have been frightened into taking the big leap or given the courage. Yeah. Only if we hadn't come along, we carried out the plan to kill him. But now, look, Angel, instead of giving up his money, his position, everything to run away, now he can hang on to Walnut and set sail for the palm trees with a clear conscience. What happened to his wife and his sister? Well, that's for the police to figure out. But I looked up the penalty for conspiracy to commit first degree murder. Angel, they'll be locked up for years and years. The little guy's rid of him forever. What if he ever finds him? Hmm? Jungalani, I mean. What are you looking for? Happiness. But a woman. Do you think he'll ever really find the one he dreams about? Oh, I don't know. He's 47. Not much to look at. I hope he does. I suppose a smarter man would get an earlier start. Maybe look closer to home. I mean, don't you think so? Or am I being too subtle? Not at all. It's a pretty name. Tangalan. Sure, thank you. When I'm 47 and I've saved up enough money to go to the South Seas looking for a mate, I... <laughs> all right, take it easy, Angel. Eh, wouldn't sound very good anyway. Tangalani Valentine. <laughs> Welcome back. This was a definitely an interesting case with uh, quite a few twists. Um, I do think that the uh, one thing that did kind of hurt the mystery was the scene where uh, the husband went back uh, to the wife after George had left, and we kind of got her as a bit of a cackling villain, which... Which kind of gave the game away, but without adding a whole lot to the story. I don't know how easy it's going to be for the uh, state to actually prove the conspiracy to commit uh, murder based on the evidence we heard in the radio program. Though George certainly does have the credibility to get them to investigate and see if you can find more. I can't imagine them actually being convicted of a major felony based on the evidence we had in the radio program. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have this from Bill. Hi, Adam. 
Let George Do It is another one of the old-time radio shows I've heard about but not heard an episode. I was disappointed in the first few episodes that were more comedic in nature, but I've enjoyed the last two hard-boiled episodes. Speaking of the earlier episodes, I was surprised that Eddie Firestone, billed as Eddie Firestone Jr., was the voice of Sonny. I can't remember hearing him on old-time radio. I've only seen him in TV shows from the 50s through the 70s, and I think he must have used a little something to raise the pitch of his voice. Uh, well, thanks so much uh, for the comment, Bill. And you're right about Eddie Firestone raising the pitch of his voice. He was 25 at the time he played Sonny. Now, he had experience doing this same sort of thing because he actually played the lead in a series called uh, That Brewster Boy about a teenage boy and his family. And uh, it was based in Chicago, and Bob Bailey also uh, appeared to that. He was one of the supporting cast. He played uh, Firestone's character's character's sister's boyfriend. Now, there aren't that many episodes of that Brewster Boy around. I think just two or three. And that's partially because the series was recorded in Chicago. And unless you were looking at a very well-known national series like Amos and Andy, uh, the Chicago series uh, really do have spotty preservation. Certainly a lot uh, less episodes of Chicago series in circulation as opposed to those that were done on either the West or East Coast. So he was doing something he'd done before and there were a lot of people over radio who were able to uh, do that to play much younger or much older than they were. Uh, another uh, example of that was Richard Crenna who uh, played the role of Walter Denon who was this kind of awkward uh, teenager in Armis Brooks. Crenna started playing Denton when he was 22, and uh, he actually got moved over to the TV show. And to watch the TV show is just, uh, it's a bit awkward with him there because he just does not look like a teenager at all. Uh, they did actually retool the series in 1955, so he was taken off of the TV show. And of course, he was nearly 29 at the time. So, and he didn't have that Burt Ward look, where Burt Ward from the 1960s Batman, he at least looked enough like a teenager that you weren't always thinking this guy is not a teenager. Crenot was just so obviously not. But that was one of the virtues of audio drama. You can, if you're an actor in audio drama, you can be anyone or anything that you can make your voice a fit. You can be fat or thin. You can be a strong man. You can be a warrior. You can be a grandmother. If you have the confidence, you can go out and sell it. With the visual acting, you have to look the part, which may make things a little bit more superficial in that regards. And I should go ahead and add that Richard Crenna is probably best known for playing the uh, colonel in uh, first Blood, the first Rambo movie. Thanks again for the comment, uh, Bill. And we turn now to iTunes, where we have a new review. Udu Do writes, 
keep it going. Will do. Thanks so much for leaving the review. That will actually do it for today. I wanted to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you so much to Jacqueline. Jacqueline has been one of our Patreon supporters since March, and she's currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. And join us back here tomorrow for Rocky Jordan, and we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of Let George Do It. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.